We're going to go to the 33rd chapter of Exodus this morning. And I want to talk about the cliff to the rock. I was thinking last night, I think the last time I used this text was before I was ordained. So that would have had to have been 94. But it's a beautiful picture if God will bless. It's 33. As you grow in grace and you study and you read, there's more to the text than there would have been 26, 7 years ago, whatever that was. But it... The deeper we go into God's Word, the more beautiful it's revealed to us. And it is revealed. We must understand that from the Lord and Savior. Of course, in the 32nd chapter, we've got to consider, Nelson made mention in his prayer about sovereign grace, and that's such a beautiful thought. Because that's all we've got is sovereign grace, and there's nothing anymore we need. The grace of God is unmerited love and favor upon His children. We're going to see that in the nation of Israel that God used to reveal to us His perfectly sovereign will and purpose to elect a people, to set His love upon them, and to bless them here and eternally, where they will eventually, when this world of time is over, spend everlasting life that never ends with Christ our Lord so much more than we could ever imagine or understand why we live in this sinful body of flesh. But they had just came across the flooded the uh, start to say the flooded River Jordan. That's my fault. Bear with me and pray for me. They just crossed the Red Sea is on dry land. I don't have to tell you how long that had been covered with water uh, thousands of years. God parted the Red Sea. God crossed His children over as on dry land and Pharaoh's army was drowned as they tried to cross and it was not dry land to them. That gives us a wonderful picture of how God blesses His people and the hedge that God puts around His people. And even though they had seen that with their own eyes, you bear this in mind because the natural man is revealed in the many of them, even though they had seen this with their own eyes and saw the multitude of Pharaoh's army and their mighty chariots and horses drowned in the sea with no army to fight for Israel, just the Lord God who is our rock. Even though they had just seen that, the first thing they did in chapter 32 when Moses was called of God up into the mount to receive the commandments of God that God wrote with His own finger, much could be said there about God writing on the heart of our our heart His law with His finger. Types and shadows. The Old Testament is types and shadows. I haven't gone much in types and shadows for years, but I used to use them a lot in the Old Testament. They had seen that. 
Moses is called up unto the mount to receive commandment from God. It would seem to me in reverential awe and fear that they would be eagerly awaiting His return with what God declared, yet they began to sin. That's the natural man. As for this man Moses, we wot not what has become of him. Up, let us make us gods. Now that's in chapter 32, and I bring that to point to show you where we're at and to show you the nature of man and how we are incapable totally of knowing God, worshiping God, loving God, or even coming to God. They had seen the parting of the Red Sea, deliverance from God, knowing full well it would seem that He is God and there is none else, and yet they sinned against the Lord. Of course, you know that story. You know that truth. You know that history. The Lord told Moses, get thee down for the people have sinned a great sin. That was idolatry. Moses came down, cast the two tables of stone. And to condense that very shortly, the Lord told him, I will visit this sin upon them in the day of their visitation. And that came to pass with the destruction of Jerusalem and Jesus Christ when they were blinded and could not see that He was their Savior. But to make the point of what had just passed. God had promised Israel through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the promised land. They had been delivered. God told Abraham 400 years they'd be in bondage. They had been delivered from that bondage by the hand of God. And in that day, just as this day, their deliverance was in Christ. We'll prove that. They were sent forward and the Lord told them mine angel capital A Christ in verse 34 of chapter 32 shall go before thee and the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf the idol that Aaron had made now we come to chapter 33 and you've got to put this in your mind of what they had done in their sin a child of God would be in great sorrow for his sin. That's called repentance. That's called godly sorrow. That's called the love of God chastening his people. And, and they are gathered together. All of them were not sorrowful. You'll see that as we go through there. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, with many of them God was not well pleased and they had to die in the wilderness. But with that point, let's move forward. The Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up hence. Thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt and the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying unto thy seed will I give it, and I will send an angel Christ before thee, and he'll drive out all the ikes into a land flowing with milk and honey. And here's my point. For I will not go up in the midst of thee. For thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. We are sinners. God could not dwell with us in the sense being spoken. Habakkuk 1.13 For thine eyes are far too pure to behold evil, to behold iniquity, to look upon sin. God cannot look upon sin. 
We go back to Genesis chapter 3. We find when Satan beguiled Eve and Adam, whom God had made covenant with, rebelled. Adam was not deceived. The Bible says Eve was deceived. Adam, the man God created, the head, Adam, the man God made covenant with, and by the way, we've never kept covenant, only God has. Sinned, rebellion against God, and sin and death entered the world. And we find in Genesis 3, the Lord said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims with the flaming and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now my, what I want you to understand in this text is that they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God had previously been with them. God had previously walked with them and talked with them and communed with them. His presence was with them. Now, God is the invisible God. Any time in Scripture, any time in history, any time in the future that we see God, hear God, or know God is in the Lord Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Son of God, the living Word of God, manifesting God Himself in God's presence would walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. And then sin entered the world. That's why the Lord says, My presence shall not go with them. They were sinners. They could not walk with God. We were separated from God. And that by God's mercy, or we would have been consuming because of sin. If this world went on and on and on, and Christ never came into the world, now I'm not saying He could come down from the cross. I'm making a point. If it were not for the sacrifice of the Lamb of God upon the cross, every living, created man would be bound to death and hell. That's why God sent His Son to save His people, all the Father gave Him, the elect of God, Jew and Gentile alike, from their sins that they may dwell with Christ. Now back to the point of the text. He's talking here about a land flowing with milk and honey. He's talking here about the kingdom that God promised to Abraham where God would drive out the inhabitants of the land. We talk about a physical nation of Israel. They were not all of Israel which were Israel. That's not what that says in Romans 9. The Apostle Paul is they're not all the elect of God 
of Israel. There were some who were not the elect of God. There were some who were the elect of God. God chose Israel. He did have a people among them as He has a people among all the people of the world. Yet He chose that nation to manifest His power, His purpose, His love, and His mercy on those He is pleased to set His mercy upon. And the good news to that child of God is if you love God, He first loved you. And you stand among the number that the Father gave to the Son. Now, as we get to Exodus 33, we come on down and Moses would... The people would stand in their houses, the tent doors, and they'd watch. Moses would go into the tent, the tabernacle. And if you remember, the entire time they were in the wilderness, from the time they left Egypt, as a matter of fact, while they were in the Red Sea, God put a pillar of fire between them and the Egyptians. God separated with a hedge of protection Israel and Egypt. For Israel was being manifested as the elect of God and Egypt the world and sin and death. That pillar of a fire is Christ. That pillar of a fire that stood behind them and went in front of them and led them and stayed above them the entire time they were in the wilderness while the carcasses of those who sinned against God, while those who were not of spiritual Israel and stood in disbelief, even after seeing the great things, that God is and does, their corpses would fall. The pillar of fire by night, the pillar of a cloud by the day, the fire, the glory of God protecting them and leading them, the pillar of a cloud to shade them, to cover them, to protect them. Now, the cloud, Moses would go in the tabernacle where the cloud would descend to the door of the tent. We come down, verse 11. I'll go back to 10. The people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. Back up. And you can read for yourself those that chose to worship God. We already know from weekly preaching and study those that choose to worship God are born of the Spirit of God. So those who were among God's elect in the nation of Israel in the wilderness would come to the tabernacle to worship God and the pillar of a cloud would descend and the other people would stand at the door of their tents and see what was going on. Now, verse 12... Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, bring up this people. I felt sorry for Moses a lot of times. All the responsibility. We feel alone in the world sometimes. All the responsibility. All that he was to do. Just like Elijah, feeling alone. Lord, I, they've killed all the prophets. I alone am left and they seek my life. Moses, and all the responsibility he had, and all his shortcomings with his stuttering tongue. 
Yet God blessed him. And God used him. Bear this in mind. Moses was 80 years old when God sent him forth to lead them out of Egypt. He wasn't a young man. Now, see thou sayest unto me, bring up this people. Thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. I know thee by name. God knows your name. Go to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. The very hairs of your head are numbered. And when I think about grace, and I think about the church, and I think about the Lord's grace on His people, I cannot help but think about Noah those eight souls of the promised seed, the only ones on the face of the entire planet that God in His grace brought forth into the new age after the flood. Didn't say there were not other children of God in the world. For Christ visited those in the prison house of darkness, which is the sin and death, and gave them life and changed them before he destroyed the heaven, I mean, destroyed the world by water. But Noah and found grace, and he and his family came forth into the new world, and all the world was populated by the seed of Noah. Now, grace, that's exactly what we have. Nothing we could do, nothing we can do. Moses said, Consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. God rested the seventh day because He was finished with His work. Christ ascended to the right hand of the Majesty on high because the work of eternal salvation was finished. John 19.30 he stands with us. He stood with Stephen, was stone. Stephen saw him standing there. But his, his work of salvation is finished. Eternal life, finished. He fulfilled the law and the prophets. We have a rest in that finished work regarding the kingdom, regarding the church, regarding the land of which what God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was a type of foreshadowing the church of God, the church of grace, the Gentile church. And Moses said, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Lord, if you're not going to go with us, we do not want to go. If thy presence is not going to go with us, do not carry us there. We don't want to go. And I would, I would say this in my mind, if God's presence does not take us there, we're not going to get there anyway. We'll fall short or be destroyed. But He's making the point of God's presence being with us and how we seek the Lord's presence. That's the beauty of the church on the Lord's Day. That's the beauty of the church on the first day of the week, the day of the resurrection of the Savior from the tomb. That's the beauty of worship service on Sunday morning. 
The Lord is with us. The Lord is here. The Lord feeds His sheep. For wherein shall it be known that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Lord, how's it going to be known? How's it going to be revealed? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. The last plague that God sent upon Pharaoh, the death of the firstborn, that Pharaoh may know that the Lord does set a difference between Israel, His people Israel, and Egypt. The purpose is for the glory of God. It is manifested to the angels in heaven. It is manifested to Satan and the devils in hell. It is manifested especially here to the children of God that God is with us. It is evident because we have a hedge around us, we're carried, we're protected, we're loved, we're fed, we're nurtured, and God is with us regardless. Period. Moses is saying, Lord, is it, is it not known, is it not seen that we're Thy people? Not because we've done anything good. We just sinned against You by raising up these two golden calves, Thy people, even Aaron, the priesthood. Yet God was with them. Do they not do the same thing today? And is God not yet still with us? Is it not made manifest that we're separated from all the people on the earth? Christ hang between two men, the one on the right and the one on the left. He turned to the one on the right at the point of death and said, Verily I say unto thee, this day shalt thou be with me in paradise. That man that had a change, he'd been born of the Spirit of God. He cried out for mercy to the Lord of lords and King of kings who hanged upon the cross as the Lamb of God. There was a change. There wasn't a preacher to tell him. There wasn't a church to tell him. They didn't sing hymns. The Lord had changed him. The same Lord that changes us, but my point is, He separated him. He separated the sheep in that day from the goats. He will come again and separate the sheep from the goats eternally. Okay? That was not sheep and goats. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. That that lays back to Jew and Gentile or, or sheep and goats. That was where it's revealed to us that Christ died to save His people from their sins. The man on the right was a child of God. The man on the left was not. Matthew 25, 31. I've said it twice in two weeks. This will be the third. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, He shall separate the sheep from the goats in that day, and that will be eternally. But now, hopefully repaired that the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, going with us. God goes with us. How does God go with us? For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. I, sure, some of us, if not all of us, I certainly do. Remember a time in my life, I don't know if I've matured, and this has come to pass what I'm fixing to say, or if I've fallen so far backwards I can't imagine it anymore. 
But I can remember a time in my life when I thought, Lord, show me Thy glory. Help me. I want to see my Lord. I'm going to tell you, I was laid on the floor one night with a bad back, and I was praying and I was thinking, and I wanted to see the Lord, and I wanted to see the Lord, and I wanted to see an angel. This is many years ago. And there came a light down the hall, and just like Peter, I turned over, shut my eyes, Lord, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Moses said, Lord, show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. Let me tell you something. God has shown you his glory. Hebrews chapter 1. Christ who is the image of God. 1 Timothy 3.16 For great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Christ is the image of His person. In the body, God was manifest in the flesh. Manifesting in the body of man, remember now, the glory was laid aside to enter into this world. God's presence cannot fully be with us. We had been separated from God in the sin of Adam. Don't you dare blame that on God, for by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and that the first man that God created, good and upright, who fell, who rebelled. People want to talk about free will. Free will. We had free will one time, and that was in Adam. And where did we end up? God have mercy. Show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. Christ is the express image of his person, the Father, the Godhead, the brightness of his glory. Do you see where this is going? This is not a fable. This is not something made up. This is not something that I see through private interpretation and other men do not see. This is the Scripture. And the Scripture is truth. Paul said in Galatians, the Scripture of four preached unto Abraham. There was no Scripture written. So how did Scripture preach to Abraham? There's only one way to know God and hear God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Two reasons. For the glory of God and the purpose of God and the comfort of His people. And He said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. Now my thinking when I read this is at this point I'm gone. I'm scared. I'm in fear to see God. I'll give you something before it loses my mind, it hit my mind. We've covered it before, but it's beautiful. In Job 26, verse 8, 9, 
speaking of the creation and speaking of God, He holdeth back the face of His throne and spreadeth His cloud upon it. Christ laid aside the glory that God had. God would appear in the man, pre-incarnate Son of God. He holds back the face of His throne. He holds back His glory. Back to Habakkuk 1.13. His eyes are far too pure to behold evil, but thou hast beheld them. Until when? Until the day of deliverance and the day of destruction. The day of punishment. The day of wrath. But my point, there was no way to know God and yet God said, My presence will go with thee. God covers His glory with a cloud. He would appear upon the mountaintop. They'd see the fire, the thunder, and the rumbling, and the mountains shake and quake. But the glory of God was covered with a cloud. There upon the mercy seat between the two cherubims, God would appear to His people in a thick cloud. God's presence is with us. God is a consuming fire. We would have been consumed. Let's go to the New Testament for just a moment. Christ laid aside the glory of the Godhead. God manifest in the flesh. His presence was with us. He finished the work the Father gave Him to do. Now He is in heaven at the right hand of the Majesty, but yet even now, the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Godhead, is here and dwells with us. God's presence is with us. Just as He protected natural Israel... Just as He protected and punished Moses, just as He led Joshua into the promised land of the children of Israel, just as He parted the river Jordan when it was flooded. Isn't that so pretty? Those priests stepped into the water with that ark and it stood up on its heap. Christ. That same God leads us. That same God's presence is with us. That same Lord Jesus Christ and our minds are heart brought to remembrance by the Spirit of God. I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Oh, isn't that precious? That's not fair. That's not fair. They didn't have a chance. Well, God was wrong. God forbid such foolish shall the creature say to the Creator. Shall we question Him? Let's go to Romans 9. Let me make a point. I'll start with verse 11. For the children not yet being born, neither having done any good evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of Him that calleth. That text is dealing with Jacob and Esau. Let's go with another that we're talking about here. Verse 18 of Romans 9, back to 33 in Exodus. Therefore hath He mercy on whom He will have mercy, and on whom He will He and whom He will He hardeneth. Why does He yet find fault? Who's resisted His will? Nay, but old man, who art thou that replieth against God? Shall the thing formed say to He that formed it? 
Why hast thou made me thus? God made us good and upright. We fell in Adam. Give you one more point. What if God, willing to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? You think there's not going to be a hell? You better read the scripture. And that He might make known, catch this, let this sink in. And that He might make known the riches of His glory, Christ, on the vessels of mercy, His children, which He had afore prepared unto glory. When were they prepared? (laughs) Before the foundation of the world in the covenant of grace. Jew and Gentile alike. Paul brings us to that in Ephesians 3. And I'll get to that right now in just a moment. Uh, He said, Thou canst not see My face, for there shall no man see Me and live. Paul tells us Christ is the only one who dwells in the light of God, the only man. We're sinners. That's why the body must die or be changed before we can stand in glory with God. We cannot stand before God. No man can see my face and live. We had to be changed. Adam image had to be taken away and the image of Christ replaced it. The nature of Adam taken from that adopted into the nature of Jesus Christ. He had to die for our sin. Whether it was a white lie, whether it was a murder, whether it was an evil thought, even just a vain thought, is sin before God. That's where we were by our nature. How can anyone who seriously studies the Bible and is blessed of God to see the truth think that any man could stand before God except in Christ? Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, I love this, I wanted to get to this a lot earlier, There, Behold, there's a place by me. Aren't you glad it's by God? I think in Nehemiah they said that the children of God stood in their place. Where do they stand? Jesus answered that. They're in the hand of the Father. John chapter 10. There's a place prepared here in the kingdom. There's a place being prepared in heaven. John 14, for I go to prepare a place for you. We have a place with God. His presence is with us. Now let's catch this. And the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. Let me grab a few psalms just very quickly. Psalm 18, we just used that some while back. Uh... I'm in 17. Here's 18. I will, verse 1, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. How do we stand in this world? In the strength of God, which is Christ. It's all about Christ. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The Lord told Moses, Thou shalt stand upon a rock. The Lord is my rock. 
If we see God, if it's the working of God, it's in Christ. If we hear God, if we understand God, if we know God, it is in Christ. The Lord is my rock. Jesus Christ is my rock. Ephesians, Paul said He is the stone. He is the cornerstone. He was a rock of offense to those who justified themselves by the working of the law. But to a child of God, He was the elect of God and precious. He is our rock. He came to this world, suffered, bled, and died to save us from our sins, and is now at the right hand of the Majesty on high. The Lord is my rock. A rock is an anchor. You stand upon a rock. It does not move. It does not move. It does not move. You stand there. The Gospel of Christ does not move. Men try to change it. Men try to alter it. Satan tries to deceive you. But the Gospel of Jesus Christ that He came to the world to save the elect of God, all the Father gave Him will carry them to heaven and a mortal glory where they'll live forever with Him and see Him as He is does not change. It's a rock. My fortress, He puts a hedge around you. My deliverer daily and eternally. My God whom I worship. My strength when I'm weak, He's strong. In whom I will trust. While we walk in this dark, evil world, we'll trust Him. Think about how those children of Israel who were God's children felt standing among those that raised up those calves. I'll tell you this, if they hadn't made me where I had to wander through the wilderness for 40 years till they died, I'd probably been trying to kill them just to get into the promised land. Because that's the nature of man. Thank you, Brother Freddie. My buckler and the horn of my salvation, I will call upon the Lord. Psalm 40. Psalm 40. Our rock. Our rock. Our rock. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, the nature of Adam, and set my feet upon a rock, Christ, and established my goings in Christ. And He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to God, singing songs from the heart of Ephesians. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Behold, there's a place by me and thou shalt stand upon a rock. A rock. Let me give you this rock very quickly. Matthew 16.13 if you keep up with it. Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Somebody resurrected, somebody reincarnated. Well, that's not something that's taught in the Bible. But that's the doctrines of man sometimes. False doctrines, I might add. That's why I'm telling them to beware of the bread of the doctrine of the Pharisees. It's no different from those today. But whom say ye that I am? And here's old Peter. Thou art the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon son of Jonah, for flesh and blood, understand this, no man taught you this, flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee. How did he have it? How did he understand it? How was it delivered to him? By revelation. Paul said in Galatians, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, when He revealed it unto me. Revealed what? His Son, Jesus Christ. Back to Ephesians 3. I was going there a moment ago and left it. How did He know these things? Paul had studied the Gospel all his life. He was a religious zealot among the Pharisees, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, yet he did not know the Christ. He did not know the Messiah just like the woman at the well that was standing there in John chapter 4 talking to the Lord Himself did not know who He was until He told her, I that speaketh unto thee Am he? Paul said, if you have heard the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, would have that by revelation. He made known to me the mystery. As I wrote a four and few words wherein when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto His holy apostles and prophets by the what? Spirit. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the Gospel. Now you put that with Romans 9. Those who were afore prepared. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 1, according as He had chosen us. He didn't say Jews. He didn't say just Israel. He said every child of God the book is written to the children of God in the New Testament. That's why it's called the New Testament. He fulfilled the first. He established the second. It's to every child of God. Now back. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. John 17. Well, no, that's not what John 17, but the text hit my mind. I think it's Matthew 11. I thank the old Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hidden these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Revelation. What book did we spend a year and a half in? Revelation. The finished word of Jesus Christ. John 17. Father, the hours come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh. And that's exactly what it means. All flesh. That He should give eternal life to who? As many as thou hast given Him, the elect of God. All the Father giveth me shall come to me. And this is life eternal. Catch this. That they might know Thee. Remember, we were separated from God. That's why in Jeremiah 31, He said, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel. They shall all know Me from the least to the greatest, because He would write His law upon their hearts. And this is life eternal that they might know Thee, the only true God, 
and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. That is life in Christ. That is eternal life. What is eternal life? It is to know God. It is to know Christ. It is to know the Holy Spirit. It is to know the Godhead, the Creator. He who said, let us, Father, Word, Holy Ghost, make man in our image. He who bears record, Father, Word, and Holy Ghost in heaven, the very Godhead itself. Flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, my Father, which is in heaven. Peter said in John 6, when all his disciples have left him, Peter, the Lord said, Will ye also go away? Peter said, Where shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we know, now catch this, and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That rock is not Peter. That rock is Revelation. That is the foundation of the church, the revelation of the Son of God. And before I leave this part, I'm going to Matthew 7, verse 15. Lay the text out. Beware of false prophets. He's talking about false prophets. He's talking about those who would deceive the sheep. You shall know them by their fruits. He's talking about gathering. They gather thorns or figs of thistles. Every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, period. A corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit, period. To reestablish. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Now he's talking to Jews here. He says, Wherefore by their fruits shall ye know them? Let's make a point with the text and I'm moving back. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Let me give you a very simple truth. This is dealing with the Jewish religion. This is dealing with those of the Levitical priesthood that were not among the elect of God who had lied and justified themselves by the keeping of the law and robbed and stole and condemned the poor sinners that Christ came to save. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The children of the kingdom, those in Judea, would be cast out. And they would come from the north, south, and the east, and west and sit in the kingdom. That means the Gentile church with Abraham. Okay? That's what this is dealing with. The Lord will never tell a child of God, I never knew you. 
The Lord will never tell a child of God entering the gates of heaven, depart from me, I never knew you. They're written in the book of life. They're engraved on the hand of God. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Establish that fact. And then realize the text is dealing with false prophets which goes along with what we're talking about because we're talking about the rock of revelation and where Christ is and where Moses stood. Now, the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. We stand on Christ. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by. Oh, we could spend years talking about Christ passing by in the New Testament. Giving life, giving joy, giving healing. That I will put thee in a cliff of the rock. Some theologians think the cliff of the rock was where Moses smote the rock. 1 Corinthians 10 that followed them and that rock was Christ. That spiritual rock. Read the whole text. 1 Corinthians 10. That spiritual rock was Christ. But some believe that's where Moses struck the rock. I'm telling you that is Christ. It shall come to pass while my glory passeth by that I will put thee in a cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. Very quickly, to make it very brief, He covered us with His hand. The Lord Jesus Christ laid aside the glory of the Godhead and came to this world as God manifest in the flesh. We were covered. We were shielded from that glory. Just... just long enough for Him to fulfill the the purpose of God and that glory was returned unto Him as He entered back into glory. And a cloud of witness, a cloud of all the dead saints above and angels, when a cloud took Him up. And I will take away Mine hand and thou shalt see My back parts. But My face shall not be seen. I said last week when he took Peter, James, and John up the mountain apart to pray, he was transfigured before them. They did not see him in the fullness of his glory. If Christ had been in the fullness of his glory upon that mountain, the world would have been consumed. He was in his pureness. His purity. Making that point of how we will be raised up in the image of Christ pure. His purity whiter than snow. Whiter than snow. We saw, we see by faith, those men who handled Him, they saw Him as a man with the glory of God in heaven and Him in the world. They saw Him taken back up And He's now in the glory of God. We see by faith. We look back to His work. The hand is removed that by faith we see the glory of God that overpowers, overshadows all created light and all created things. 
<laughs> and we have fellowship here in this kingdom that God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a type of what we have in Christ. And it's all by revelation. Let us thank God for that. And let us praise our Lord and Savior.